Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to Season 2, Episode 8 of The Drive to Dayton. We got the full roster back today. Uh, you know you know, it's money time. We got two fresh haircuts. Uh, as Roth pointed out, I got the button up on today, um, so I, I'm at least somewhat, uh, I look somewhat presentable here. Uh, but we are in the stretch run here okay we've got flying to the hoop behind us we're heading towards the end of the january the drawing is in the near future gentlemen it is just about the best time of the year we're approaching it i just can't believe how fast this season has has flown by uh, i'm not sure if it's just me but it, it seems like you know, just last week I was at the, the All-Ohio event and uh, Ohio Valley event opening weekend. And, you know, some teams are already 15, 16 games into their season already. Just nuts. For sure. Roth, you survived another week? Um, yeah, survived did I ever. A lot of, a lot of driving, <clears throat> a lot of basketball being watched. And, and like TJ said, we're we're in the stretch run. I wish uh, I wish there were like two or three of me on these Tuesday and Friday nights. Just so many games to pick from, uh, so many teams I want to watch. So, should be exciting time here in Ohio. And uh, I've also spent a, a fair amount of time in Kentucky as well recently. So, getting uh, getting my eyes on players from both states. Yeah, getting a little of that bluegrass in you down there, Roth. Um, all right, let's, uh, let's jump into things here. I know, uh, we're going to be, got to be efficient today. Um, so my opening question, uh, we'll start with you, Roth. Uh, if you were allowed to pick the D2 final four that you want to watch in Dayton, who would you pick? Now, for those of you listening, Roth got to pick. Um, whoever he wanted, really, uh, didn't, it didn't, we weren't looking at geographical efficient or, uh, you know, equality here. We, we were just picking what we, what we would want to see in the final four in Dayton. So Roth, let us have it. Yeah, I went with uh, Lutheran West versus Lexington on one side and Kettering Alter versus Bishop Hartley. I think in that first game, you get a nice balance with Lutheran West having the seniors that they do at the guard position, Lexington with their size, with Braden Fogel and Elijah Hudson. I think that would be a very interesting battle. And then on the other side, Kettering Alter versus Bishop Hartley. Alter known for their shooting, offensive prowess. Hartley more of a defensive team with the Callaway brothers and Jeffrey Reynolds. And then, I mean, with Alter, you've got shooters like R.J. Greer, uh, Charlie Ewell can even stretch it out to the three-point line. Uh, Gavin Lean is another kid who has the talent to go off for 20, 25 points on any given night. Uh, it was tough to cut out some teams uh, like Cincinnati, Wyoming, Trotwood, Madison, uh, Youngstown, Ursuline, Shelby, and defending champ Akron Buchtel. But I, I just think this Final Four would have a nice mix of top Division One talent for the college level and also four teams that have been among the best in division two so far this season. So that's who I went with. Now, Roth, you, you did list a few teams here that you were, uh, it pains you to cut these teams off the list. Yeah. Especially, especially the hometown, uh, Troutwood Madison Rams. I think, uh, in UD arena, if they were able to make it to the final four, that, uh, that atmosphere would be pretty special. All right, TJ, I'm going to pose the same question to you, but uh, I'm going to let you tackle Division One. So Division One to me um, is, a, is a bit top-heavy this year where I think there are realistically about five to six teams that I could see winning it all. <clears throat> uh, I feel like some other years, man, that, that list is a lot longer. Uh, but I kind of went, kind of took a similar pro approach to Rock where I looked for teams that just have dudes, you know, like on paper, we got length, athleticism, skill, shot making. Uh, my final four would be Garfield Heights, 
against Cincinnati Moeller, a team that I just saw recently this past weekend. And man, when Moeller is clicking like they were on Sunday, uh, I think it's going it's going to be a hard hard out for anybody to to put them, you know, to put them out of the tournament. Um, they have just length, athleticism. Uh, it was, I mean, they gave they gave men or everything they they were looking for on Sunday. Uh, so I think that would just be a, a game of just a lot of talent. Uh, both teams defensively have been really good this year. And then on the other side, this is a bit of a selfish decision by me, um, but a game that I didn't see this year that I regret seeing was uh, that I regret not seeing was St. Ignatius against Reynoldsburg. Uh, many people are still talking about that game. Uh, I was in the hospitality room this past weekend, and, and some of the referees were talking about it. Uh, and that would be St. Ignatius against Reynoldsburg. It was a double overtime game. Uh, two of the arguably the most talented teams on paper in Division One. Uh, I'd love to see them running back at UD Arena. TJ, you you uh, you fooled me there. Uh, I thought I thought you were going with um, Ignat. I, I thought Ignatius was one of the other teams, but I thought you were going Centerville. Ooh, yeah. I, I'm I'm close on Centerville. It's they've had a bit of a had a bit of a weird season thus far, where I feel like they've had a lot of quality wins, but then some uncharacteristic losses as well. Uh, I mean, Kettering Fairmont is in, incredibly well coached, uh, but that loss uh, in, in conference play kind of <laughs> took me back. Uh, Hoban, who's still you know kind of in the midst of you know getting back into a rhythm. Uh, they beat Centerville at home. So I do, I think Centerville has the ability to make it back down to Dayton. Uh, absolutely. I, I think they could honestly win it all still. Um, but uh, the, these are four teams that as of right now, I think I'm a little more confident in, even though Centerville did happen to knock off Moeller at home in a close one a few weeks ago. Let me ask you something, TJ. This isn't like <clears throat> in reference to this question. This time last year, uh, January 23rd, I don't think at this point any of us saw Hoban win. Not at all. I know, I know exactly where you were going with but that. Um, I want to ask you that because there was a point, though, when you did think that this is a team. I don't know if you thought they could win at all, but I thought you, at some point, you thought they could make a deep tournament run. Yeah, absolutely. I, I picked them to come out of the region last year just because of uh, how well they were playing down the stretch. And I think something very similar could happen this year. When you have a team who the majority of your roster is two sport guys who are coming right off of football, straight into basketball, not much of a break or transition at all. Uh, I mean, it's tough. And, and they play a, a hell of a schedule on top of that. So, you know, when people saw that they lost three or four games early on, I it, it wasn't too much sweat off my back personally just because exactly what you just mentioned about how they, you know, what their what their route looked like a year ago. I, none of us saw that. If you would have told me that Hoban would be the Division One state champs a year ago, I would have thought you were crazy. I might have laughed you out of the building. But, you know, they, they figured it out. And I, I think it's just a matter of time before Sam Greer gets back into basketball shape. And uh, he was the MVP of the state tournament a year ago. Yeah. Uh, and, when, and when I saw him earlier in the season, you could tell he was still getting his basketball legs under him. You know, still kind of a little hungover from the football season. So, yeah, and Hoban picked up a pretty big win over Centerville uh, not that long ago as well. So, seems like the the wheels are starting to turn. They're starting to figure it out. Do you either, and it's, do either it's of funny. you guys see a team like that this year that maybe we're not thinking in the terms of a state championship run that could come out of nowhere like that again? I mean, I think we're kind of already seeing it, aren't we? Um, I wouldn't have guessed that only Tangio Orange would be 14-0 right now or 12-0 or whatever the record yeah, is. Me, they're, me the, they're the only undefeated <laughs> team in Central Ohio right now. They lost their three best players from a year ago, all graduated, went on to the scholarship level. Their JV team was undefeated last year. Uh, so, yeah, I think this would be a solid team that could compete and possibly, you know, reach a district final, yes. But I would not have guessed that this team would, would be rolling the way that they are. I think I think Hilliard-Bradley is a team that 
uh, people need to watch out for. They they had kind of a slow start to the season, injury to Ben Mergon. Uh, they played Olentangy Orange down to the wire. Game probably should have went into overtime uh, w- with a uh, foul call with like two seconds left. Orange was able to knock down free throws and win it. Um, but what I was saying, we're recording on January 23rd. I didn't even see Hoban in person last year until January 24th. So tomorrow of last year was when I caught Hoban for the first time in person and probably was a little bit of a reason why they were off of my radar so much, um, especially after their slow start to the season. But like TJ mentioned, I mean, they only lost one game the rest of the way, and that was at St. Vincent St. Mary last year. So there's still a lot of basketball um, to be played for a team to get hot at the end of January and into February as we get into the playoff draw. All right, well, let me finish out this segment. Uh, since it was my question, my rules, uh, I'm one of the tri-hosts of the show. I did us a solid. Um, we're going to be able to watch a little extra NCAA tournament because I have combined Division Three and Division Four. All right? Um, now, there was a couple teams that pained me to leave out of these Final Fours, but I was looking strictly from entertainment value here. So I'm combining Division Three and Four, and I'm making a semifinal out of it. First semifinal is Ottawa Glandorf against Richmond Heights. I think that game has great pace to it. Both of those teams want to play fast. Um, I don't think if you if you're not familiar with OG, you you may not have the right idea of how they play, and they want to play fast. They do. They they want to force the tempo. They want to play force the tempo. Richmond Heights obviously wants to do the same. Um, and then my other semifinal is going to be Lutheran East against Warren JFK. Um, and I picked this because Warren JFK has got five guys that, that are averaging double figures. And if you're going to beat Lutheran East, you've got to be able to have, you got to have some guys that are able to bring Jesse out from under the bucket. So, um, I, I feel like Warren JFK would be a really good matchup for Lutheran East. I think that would be a pretty entertaining game. Um, so that would be my semifinal combined Division Three, Division Four that I think would provide really good matchups and entertainment value. I don't know if the OHSA would want to see that, but um, I would. And since it's our show, that's who I'm picking. And Warren JFK is a team that I probably need to, you know, make a, a priority to go see at some point. Uh, I'm starting to get a few texts and calls about some of their seniors. And, you know, junior Nick Bryan I saw a year ago I was really intrigued by. It seems like he's starting to, you know, really blossom over there as well. So, yeah, shout out to Coach K. We had him on the show. Unfortunately, um, there was a mishap with that show that was not able to get posted. But uh, we should probably try and bring him on again. Just to yeah, try that- to do his that, that interview's a, in the abyss somewhere. Yeah, that was a that was a good conversation. We touched on a lot of the competitive balance, the new RPI system, and how that affects smaller schools in terms of yeah. scheduling. You know how you look for opponents. So, uh, yeah, we're trying to get Coach K back on, but yeah, his team is definitely somebody I need to to make a conscious effort to go get eyes on at some point. And speaking of guys, we need to get on this show. I mean. I mean, is is there any? Uh, I mean, is there any reason we don't get Sonny Johnson on this show at, at some point? I mean, we might have to carve out about an hour for him, but uh, oh, we have to. Yeah, so that'll be a lot of laughs. Um, all right, let, let's jump into last week's recap. Um, so we'll do the Battle of the Berkey second because I know. Roth, you were there, and then TJ, you were there on Sunday. Um, but TJ, I want to get your thoughts on the play-by-play classic in um, at Reynoldsburg. Yeah, so it was a five-game event. A nice blend for me in terms of teams that I had already seen, but then also a few teams that I hadn't seen yet. Uh, after Century picked up a, a huge win over Pig Central uh, in the opening game of the event, and shout out to to Coach Bates and company. Uh, this won't be the first time I mention them on the show today. Uh, spoiler alert. Uh, 
I thought his group for a 12 p.m. game, I know that's a bit of a weird time for kids to be playing. They're so accustomed to, you know, playing in front of bigger crowds at night, you know, after a school day. Uh, so for those guys to wake up, go to the gym and compete with the level of urgency that they had, uh, it was refreshing to see. Uh, Tyler Kropp, I mean, that's a, speaking of another kid that we've talked about here on the show, uh, he had 32 points and about 15 rebounds in a win over Amani Christian on a Western PA. And that on the Tangy Liberty team is a, is another team that you want to talk about somebody that can, can make a run. I think that team is absolutely good enough to, to make a district final, to beat somebody possibly. And they've had a lot of close games with a lot of teams that we, we've had in that mix as far as contentions to get out of Central Ohio. It added nice couple, you know, a couple sophomores, juniors, uh, a few that came off the bench that were intriguing. I think that group is, you know, a guard away from being really, really good next year as well. Uh, Garfield Heights played Reynoldsburg. Reynoldsburg obviously was coming off of a, a huge uh, emotional win over Pick Central the night before. Uh, I know Stubbs, you were at that game, and the videos I saw of that environment just looked absolutely nuts. Uh, but Garfield Heights was defensively has been on another level all season long. Uh, I, I think C.J. Little is a kid who's not going to stuff the stat sheet from a points standpoint, but, man, it uh, makes a ton of winning plays, especially on the defensive side of the ball, uh, and just initiates so much for them. And I don't know what DeAndre Jones was on this weekend, but, man, that kid, he was like a, a bat out of hell on Saturday. Uh, I'm from the opening tip, I mean, that kid was everywhere. Weak side tip-ins, blocks, rebounding out of his area, sprinting down the floor, running rim to rim. Uh, that Garfield Heights team is fun. And I got my first look at Olentangy Orange as well. Uh, and, and it was interesting. When they, when they walked out, you know, they're warming up. They, they don't necessarily pass the eye test, right? They're not a team that when you look at them, you'd be like, man, this team looks like they should be the only undefeated team left in Central Ohio. But shout out to Coach Kalo, and uh, they did a, a great job over there. Uh, junior Devin Brown uh, is a kid that I was looking forward to seeing all season. Uh, wanted to go down and catch him a few weeks ago, but unfortunately I got sick and it didn't work out. Uh, but I caught him on probably one of the better games he's had this season against Walnut Ridge. Uh, and only Tangy Orange was able to pull away in the second half. Uh, freshman Deion Johnson was good for Warner Ridge. It was nice to see him, you know, being one of the more talented underclassmen in Ohio, kind of find a rhythm, get his footing under him, uh, and have a good game against a, such a quality team. And then the last game of the night was Westerville North against Akron Bookville, the defending Division II state champs. Uh, Westerville North ended up winning by 16 points. I left the halftime of that game. When I left, it felt like Westerville North was going to win. Uh, they just had all the momentum, and, you know, they were just – kind of in control of the game, you know, through the first 16 minutes that I saw. Yeah, that was um, some interesting matchups there. Um, I, you, you referenced, I, I was at the Pick Central Roundsburg game on Friday, and we talked about this a couple weeks ago when there's, you know, dislike, um, a healthy dislike. Uh those are the types of environments that you get. Like, um, it was fun. Um, it was packed. Uh, I thought every player on the court handled themselves very well for that type of environment. Um, so kudos to them. I mean, we had a little, a little mishap in the stands, um, all things considered, with that type of environment. Um, it wasn't that bad. Um, but... It was, uh, it was just a great high school basketball game. I mean, the, the play on the floor was very good, but the crowd and the atmosphere makes athletic events. Uh, and I feel like we, yeah. we haven't had too many games this year that, that I've been to where <clears throat> the atmosphere and the environment was like that. No, it was nuts. It, it seems like people who are going to these games, I don't know if they're just more so like casual fans who just enjoy basketball. Yep. Uh, but when I look up into the stands, just a lot of people just kind of sitting there. There's not much energy. It's almost like people were watching a funeral. Yep. You know, so it's pretty. It's refreshing to hear that. You know that type of game, and they. they I'm assuming they play another time around, right? 
They do. They uh, they close the season um, together. Uh, that will be at the Summit Campus over there in Reynoldsburg. But, man, I just don't know if it, you'll be able to duplicate that one. I mean, I feel like, you know, if you look on – Reynoldsburg is a better team on paper um, for sure. But if you look at the way the game was played, I mean, that's a game that, that Central would, would love to have back. That last, like, two, three minutes of regulation that they – um, you know, just just couldn't close the deal and credit uh, Reynoldsburg uh, for hitting huge shots. Uh, Jordan Fisher, the junior, was unbelievable all night. I think he ended up with 34 points, shot an incredible uh, efficiency. Um, the sophomore, Jordy Bowens, was really good on the inside. And um, Jawan Turner, that offensively that was one of the better performances I've seen from him in his career at pick central and he's played a ton of games at pick central um the one thing that you cannot overstate with him is and they'll and I talked with Eric about this you will feel the effects of him graduating with just how much he handles the ball in pressure situations and he's got that thing on a string um he, he is so good uh, against heavy ball pressure with, with the basketball. And I was just glad that he got, you know, to reap some of the benefits offensively the other night. He played really, really well. I think he ended up with 25. Great game. Kudos to Reynoldsburg uh, for getting that W. And, um, you know, Law of Averages said they were going to have to win one of those overtime games eventually. They've been in quite a few of them. So uh, just a really good high school basketball game. And, um as three guys that just love ball, I mean, that's – you can't ask for any more than that. All right, let's jump into the uh, battle at the Berkey up in Smithville High School. Uh, Roth, you were there on Saturday for the fun and festivities. Yeah, I was. The Triway versus Indian Lake game was definitely the highlight of the first game. Braden Holt with 37 points all came in the first three quarters. Uh, he was making tough shot after tough shot. Uh, plays with good pace for a sophomore. On the Indian Lake side, I thought freshman Brody Reisinger was impressive. 6-2 wing guard. Uh, scored in transition off some steals. Hit shots off the catch. Solid athlete. Strong kid for a freshman. He looks like a multi-sport stud. Toledo Christian kind of rolled uh, over Dalton, but their their notable game this weekend was on Friday when Toledo Christian went to Emmanuel Christian and got a conference win on the road. And then Berlin Highland, that's another team that I want to shout out. They actually lost on Friday night. Then the next day, come out and just take it to Wayne Trace. I thought Sammy Detweiler was impressive shooting it from three-point range, and Highland defensively just made Brooks Lockoff work for anything. He even attempted at the rim, really did a great job playing help side defense and making everything difficult, holding Wayne Trace under 40 points. And then finally, I want to shout out Trace Sagister from Tri-Village. Uh, they haven't played a very tough schedule so far this season, but they rolled over host Smithville. And Chad Sagister is averaging almost 23 points per game this season and is shooting 46% on almost 100 three-point attempts. So he's one of the top scorers among all underclassmen in the state. Uh, he's grown about two to three inches since the last time I saw him. He was like 5'10", 5'11". Now he's like 6'1", 6'2". So this is a Tri-Village team that has a big game late in the year against Preble Shawnee that will likely determine the conference title race. And they only have one loss right now. So you could see a pair of 20-win teams going at it when Preble Shawnee takes on Tri-Village. I think it's the last game of the regular season uh, for those teams. Yeah, I think, you know, Trey not only grew, like, vertically, but um, I think football ha has helped him a ton as well. Um, he had a really good season for, for Tri-Village on the football field too. So um, Sunday, uh, TJ, you uh, you were in attendance. 
Yeah, me and Roth kind of, uh, Roth was there the whole weekend. I showed up on Sunday. <laughs> trying to think the first game we saw Cardinal Mooney against Chippewa. Uh, Cardinal Mooney was able to pull away late uh, in a running clock win. Uh, and Stubbs was, you know, you've been really high on Cardinal Mooney in our group chat. And I have to say they are extremely well coached. Uh, it, it was nice to see a team who just passed the ball uh, as much as they did. And they were just so unselfish. Uh, there were so uh, there were a number of opportunities where I thought kids could have taken shots or attacked the rim, and they the first thing on their mind was to make that extra pass or to you know look for where their teammates were out on the floor, uh, and that's just to me something you don't see very often. Uh, next game up was Glen Oak against North Farmington, uh, so this was a game I was really intrigued by. North Farmington being one of the top five teams in Michigan this year. I believe they play in the the largest school division in Michigan. And, I mean, they feature two Division I guys uh, in Tyler Spratt and Landon Williams. Uh, They also have a a big 6'8 senior in Dylan Smith. Uh, So this was a team on paper that has a lot of talent. Uh, And, honestly, I felt like Glen Oak lost that game down the stretch more so than North Farmington won. Uh, But it was a really quality game. Uh, senior uh, Corey Lipkins from Glen Oak had a team high 17 points, uh, one of his more efficient games of the season so far. Uh, and that's a team to keep an eye on uh, is Glen Oak. Uh, they play in the federal league. They play against uh, an absolute gauntlet of a conference schedule. And they see so many different types of teams throughout the year. I wouldn't be surprised to see Glen Oak, uh, you know, win a district and, you know, really knock off some teams. They probably have no business beating. Uh, Next up was the the Moeller and Menor game. It's probably the one game on the slate of the entire weekend that I was most looking forward to, uh, mostly because when I saw Moeller, they weren't at full strength. Uh, they were missing both Kingston Land and A.J. McBride, two Division One recruits. And they still picked up a, a pretty big win at St. V early in the season. Uh, and I hadn't seen Menor yet this year. So it was uh, me finally seeing Menor and also getting eyes on a a 100% molar and man uh it it was a game going into it where I thought it was going to be a game of pace right whoever controlled the pace was going to win the game you know molar looks to kind of keep the game in the 40s maybe the 50s where men are men are happy if the game's 93 92 and to my surprise molar just came out and ran with them uh and they have the athletes they have the length and I think they really bothered men are uh, at one point throughout the game, I looked over at Roth and I said, man, I said, when was the last time, you know, Menor touched the paint? You know, it felt like it had been about five or six minutes since they've gotten anything going towards the rim. But I think that's just a credit to, to Moeller and how deep they are. And, and to think they picked up such a, a big win without their starting point guard, Roman Mason, uh, who got suspended, unfortunately, uh, in the same X game on Friday, which is a, a whole different conversation maybe we touch on that later in the show but yeah so I, I was absolutely impressed with with Moeller and they they look like a team that could easily win a state championship this year uh after that I want to say it was North Harvest Ridge. Prep Lake Catholic oh it was Harvest Prep Lake Catholic that was a game that a bit helter skelter in terms of the pace it just felt like just transition opportunity after transition opportunity Turnover here, loose ball here, broken play here. Um, but Harvest Prep would just had a little bit too much. Uh, they were able to pull away down the stretch. And, and quite possibly one of the more entertaining games of the day, which caught my, you know, which caught me by surprise, was uh, Fairview, which is, uh, you know, Roth's alma mater against Johnstown Northridge. Uh, I, I was impressed with Fairview's sophomores. And senior Carter Maloney from Northridge, man, um, I was trying to rack my brain earlier and think of the last time I saw a kid score 50 or more points in a game, uh, and it's been a little while. But, yeah, Carter Maloney finished with 53 points. I believe he had 20 made free throws, uh, most of which kind of came down the stretch, and there were a few technicals in there as well. But, man, he made some high, high high-level shots. You know, whether he was driving right, stop on a dime, you know, hang, pull up, uh, catch and shoot, whether it was off movement. Uh, he was a kid who looked like one of the one of the better available seniors in Ohio. And lastly, it was 
the Malvern against Akron East, which was a bit of a route. Um, but it was nice to see Malvern up against a team that could kind of match their athleticism and their pressure. You could tell early on that Malvern wasn't quite used to seeing teams that could pick up and, and really disrupt them with their length and their athleticism. Um, but ultimately, Malvern just had a little bit too much. Uh, senior Jay Allen Barino, okay, we mentioned a few weeks ago in the show as somebody we kind of all wanted to, to get eyes on at some point. And man, that kid is, is really, really intriguing to me. Uh, legit 6'2", maybe 6'3", got a great frame, good length, and just real natural instincts on the defensive end. Uh, I think by halftime, that kid probably had four or five steals, three or four deflections, and his ability to just get to the paint and make decisions with the ball in his hands, he was really impressive. Uh, that's a team, I, I believe they're going to match up with Berlin Highland later in the year at the IBC Showcase. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, because it's, you know, one, uh, I think it's the number one team on this side, it's the number one team on that side. So that's a game I, I might not be in attendance for, but I will be closely following how that turns out. Uh, but shout out to, to Coach Corey Kaufman over at Smithville. I think this was the third year of the battle at the Berkey, and it seems to have progressively gotten better each year. Uh, he has a nice blend of, you know, kind of those big name matchups, with a few off-the-path teams that you don't normally get to see throughout the year, uh, or at least I don't. Uh, so I'm looking forward to just the growth of this event. Uh, to any high school coaches who are listening or watching, I would highly recommend reaching out to Coach Kaufman. Uh, does a phenomenal job, uh, provided you know media and coaches with great hospitality, and it's an event that I'm going to probably try to make a staple of mine moving forward. Yep, um, definitely a an event that is growing um, over the course of its three years. Uh, do we have anything else um, for the good of the order on the recap? I do want to shout out, and this is still weird to say, uh, Tim Casey, um, now the New Albany head coach. Former... Oh, it's so weird seeing him in that New Albany. Yeah, like... he'll always be a golden bear to me. Um, 500th win uh, for Tim Casey. He's a ball coach. Tim Casey's a ball coach. Um, so congratulations to him. Congratulations to New Albany. Having a, a really good season under Casey uh, in his first year. All right, let's move on to the players and teams of the week. Uh, Roth, uh, we'll start with your player of the week. My player of the week is Kent Hairston from Central Crossing. Hairston scored a school record 43 points in a win over Groveport Madison over the weekend. Hairston is like a six foot five wing who can shoot it. Uh, the lefty's pretty long. And uh, I watched the highlights posted by, I believe it was 270 Hoops. You just see a lot of transition buckets, a couple spot up three pointers, his ability to use his length at the rim. He's a kid who I haven't seen since around a year ago, last year. Um, so he's someone that I'll be curious to get my eyes on if I can during the grassroots season, see how he's progressed as a player. So Ken Hairston for Central Crossing, my player of the week. TJ. I, I went with a kid I mentioned earlier in the show, and that's Devin Brown. Uh, I'm not sure there's a, quite a kid who has improved their stock this season uh, than Devin has, and, and that's regardless of class. Uh, but he had a dominant performance on Saturday, or yeah, you know, on Saturday against Walnut Ridge. Started off four for four from the three-point line, uh, and like as Coach Kalo, you know, explained to me and described him, I mean, he's just like a, a utility knife. Uh, the kid does a little bit of everything at six six. He's got length and a good frame. He was able to whether it was initiate offense, spot up on the perimeter, post up on duck ins. Uh, the the kid touches a lot of. A lot of bases, checks off a lot of boxes. He's currently averaging 12 points a game, six rebounds, and was shooting a whopping 51.5% from three. Mm. Uh, so huge shout-out to Devin Brown, who picked up two offers from uh, Toledo and OU, uh, both of which were his first uh, you know, scholarship offers. Uh, finally, um, I'm going to go with the guy you guys mentioned, um from the Battle of the Berkey. I'm going to go with Carter Mallory uh, from Northridge. I feel like a guy that drops 53 points deserves to uh, be on our list for the week. 
He had 53 points and an 86-78 win over the Fighting Ross um, of Fairview. And then he had a 19-point performance in a Friday win over Utica. Northridge is now 11-3 on the season. All right. I, I love Coach Barry over at Fairview. Uh, really nice guy, <laughs> easy to talk to. Uh, so I, a part of me feels bad for saying this, but seeing somebody drop 50 on Ross alma mater just makes me so happy. Uh, <laughs> like, I if I was about, out there, it wouldn't have happened. I had about an hour drive back from Smithville, and I just had the biggest smile on my face. Music turned up. Uh, so, yeah, thanks, Carter. Uh, you're appreciated over here. The only thing you know, better would have been. I had been... a three-hour drive back, and I stopped at Swenson's. The only thing better is if he would have held up one of them little signs that like Joe oh, Joe Embiid had last yeah, fifty three. Uh might get that for Roth for Christmas. Uh, that would have been you'll have, you'll have to wait eleven months. That would have been my profile picture this, this entire week on Twitter probably. Oh, I've been fantastic. All right, TJ, who was your team of the week? I mentioned them earlier as well, uh, but I went with Columbus after Centric. Uh, they won four of their last five, including two big wins over Westerville South and Pick Central. Uh, and this was a team that just started off the year really rough, right? Started off one and five, uh, which is, you know, kind of expected considering how much they lost in last year's senior class. Mm -hmm. And then uh, they took another blow with uh, starting point guard, Laurent Fuller, who I believe didn't even come out for the team this season. Uh, so to see what Coach Bates has done at Afrocentric, uh, and he's just he's getting the most out of that group. Uh, and shout out to senior Cortez Freeman. Uh, he was really good in the Pick Central game. I believe he finished with about 22, 23 points. Uh, so, yeah, it was just nice to see uh, anyone who knows Coach Bates, man, just a phenomenal guy. Uh, so I'm always happy to see his teams do well. For sure. Roth, what do we got? <clears throat> Yeah, I went with Cincinnati Moeller. TJ mentioned it earlier, but they really made Menor look uncomfortable with their length and athleticism defensively. Uh, they're a team that shares the basketball and spreads the wealth offensively. They don't average a ton of points, but you've got Alex Kazanecki, who just received his division first Division One offer with 13.2 points a game to lead the way. Noah George at nine, Eric Mahaffey at nine, AJ McBride at five, Kingston Land at five, Kyle Havens at five, Roman Mason at five, Brady France at four. They just got a lot of guys who can come in, make plays, impact the game. And that's what they did against Menor. Menor is a team that wants to get up and down the court. And Moeller scored their most points of the season at 85 on Sunday at the battle at the Berkey. And they also got a win on Friday at conference rival St. Xavier, 56 to 46. And amazingly, Moeller is 38 and one in their last 39 games against St. Xavier, a remarkable mark for a conference rivalry. So Moeller is my team of the week after they got those two impressive wins. Yeah, and the cool thing about those two teams that you just mentioned, and Afrocentric and Moeller, both of their head coaches are avid listeners of the drive to Dayton. Um, so shout out Coach Bates, Coach Kramer, two of the best in the business. Um, my team of the week uh, is Toledo Christian. Um, they've had a they've had a pretty successful week. Uh, it started at the MLK Classic. They beat Minster. Um, they get a huge road win at Emmanuel Christian as a conference win. Um, and then they beat uh, Dalton at the Battle of the Berkey. That's eight straight wins now for Toledo Christian. Their only loss on the year was, I think, like a five-point game, maybe seven-point game to uh, Mommy Valley Country Day. Um, Tyler Boris's team, uh, Toledo Christian, definitely a team to keep an eye on in Division Four. <clears throat> All right, let's uh, let's wrap that up. Let's uh, go to our games of the week. Um, and Roth, why don't you get a why don't you kick us off here? Yeah, well, we got two games uh, tonight, so they'll have already been played by the time you guys hear this. Oh, with Western Hills at Trotwood Madison, two teams that are going to like to get up and down the court. Should be 
a high-scoring game. And then I went with Westerville North at Delaware Hayes. This was a game that went down to the wire in Westerville. Delaware Hayes was a team me and TJ both saw on Friday night get a win over Big Walnut. They've got a pair of Division One recruits in Ohio commit Jesse Burris and also junior Landon Vanderwalker on their front court, while Westerville North is more led by their guards, Ty Perkins and Micah Young. So it's going to be interesting to see how this game plays out. You know, Delaware Hayes jumped out to a huge lead the first time these two teams played and really held on at the end, winning, I think, by only one point. So this rematch should be highly competitive as well. And then the last game, Lutheran East at St. Ignatius. Lutheran East took a tough loss this weekend. They were shorthanded, missing a couple of their star players. But they're going to go to St. Ignatius. Uh, The Wildcats were the first team to defeat Lutheran West over the weekend. They went into their building and got a win. These are two of the top teams in Northeast Ohio. It should be an electric atmosphere at St. Ignatius. So I think that is primetime viewing on a Friday night between two teams that we've talked about plenty on this show and seen plenty at different all-day events, but still a big-time game for basketball fans in Northeast Ohio on Friday night. Yeah, and, you know, you mentioned that Luther Nice was down a few starters. Uh, Jesse, senior Jesse McCullough didn't play as well as fellow senior Ronald mm-hmm. Taylor. But, man, they might have been missing the, the biggest superstar of all, man, with uh, athletic director and assistant coach Anthony Jones not being there, man. Uh, that's Mr. Bring the Energy. Uh, so, yeah, tough blow for Luther Nice, but obviously, uh, given the circumstances, not too bad. Uh, my games of the week, I'm uh, starting up in Northeast Ohio. Uh, so Strongsville at Menor. Uh, it should be a, a really fun one. I believe that's tonight as well. Uh, Menor won the first game 75 to 73. And that's also Strongsville's only loss on the season. They're sitting at 11 and 1. Uh, definitely a team that I kind of had a bit of low expectations or, you know, not really any expectations at all coming into the season. Uh, and that's just, me just being unfamiliar with, you know, what they brought back from a year ago. Uh, you know, I know they lost uh, the senior guard with Pasek last year. Uh, so, yeah, for them to be at 11-1, pretty impressive. Obviously, tonight's game is going to be uh, very important as far as the league standings go. Uh, a game that I, I'm intrigued by, just because these two schools are so close to each other, uh, is Gilmore Academy and Hawking. I know it's like a bit of a, a rivalry there. Uh, and that's a game I actually might slide over to. Uh, I think it's on Saturday, uh, so I may be in attendance for that. And then lastly, I went with the GCL matchup with St. X and Elder. Uh, both of them are one and one in the conference so far. And, I mean, the, the, the loser of this game pretty much puts themselves out of contention. You know, so the winner will have a chance to at least get a share uh, if they can win out and then also split with Moeller. Uh, so those would be my three games to watch this week. Yeah, both of those teams um, have lost to Moeller on the season, so that's, that should be an interesting game. Um, I'm going to start with Tuesday, uh, which would be tonight. Um, you'll see this tomorrow. Uh, Antwerp against Wayne Trace. Both of these teams have been throttled uh, pretty good in the last couple of weeks. Uh, Rushi got Antwerp and... Uh, as Roth mentioned, Highland beat up on Wayne Trace. So both of these teams, conference game, uh, need a big win here. Um, Friday night, we've got North Adams at undefeated Fairfield. Uh, That's a game I'm going to be monitoring. Uh, We also got South Webster at Wheelersburg. Wheelersburg just knocked off Minford. And then on Saturday, we got Troy Christian at Tri-Village. That's an intriguing game. And then Delphi St. John's at a red-hot Spencerville team um, on Saturday as well. So those are my games that I'm going to be monitoring throughout the week. <clears throat> All right, gentlemen, you know what time it is. It's time to start buying and selling. <clears throat> All right, well, let, let's start with this one. I'll start out with a softball for you. People are making a... It, People are making too big of a deal out of the RPI. 
I'm buying. Uh, I do. I think the RPI um, is bad. Yes. Uh, do I think people are making uh, too much of a big deal about how bad it is? Also, yes. Um, and my whole thing with it is this: regardless of, of where teams get seated, high school coaches know who's good and who's not good. They still get to place themselves on the line. Uh, you might get some, you know, weird first or second round matchups that you know should probably happen, maybe in the semis. But I think it's all going to play itself out. Uh, coaches are going to know who to avoid, who they want to play, uh, regardless of kind of how the seating shakes out. So it's going to be interesting, though. Um, if I'm wrong, I'll be the first one to come on here and admit it. But I definitely think we're making a, a bit too much of a big deal out of this. I'm also buying it for the sole reason, like TJ said, that coaches are going to get to pick who they want to attack. So you might see some teams that are seated highly that might not have very many quality wins. You might see some teams attack them in the tournament draw. If teams were seated NCAA bracket style, how football does it, where one plays 16, two plays 15, three plays 14, the concerns about the RPI rankings would be 100% valid. However, because teams can choose who they want to play, I don't think it is as big a deal as some people are making it out to be. So that's uh, that's my two cents. Yeah, good. I mean, definitely great points with the, um, you know, placing yourself on the bracket opposed to being put on there by the seed you are, which would make a huge difference, obviously. Um, Absolutely. I was doing, um, I did division four, and I think I told Roth, or maybe both of you this, um, when you look at Division Four, nine of the top ten teams in Max Prep are the same as they are in Martin RPI. The only two, the only team that is not in the top ten of Max Preps that is in Martin RPI top ten in Division Four is obviously Richmond Heights. Um, Fairfield is in the top ten in Max Preps. They're thirteenth um, in Martin RPI. So. I mean, nine out of ten being the same in the top ten. I mean, obviously Richmond Heights is a is a major, <laughs> you know, miss in the top ten. But um, I just think ultimately what needs tweaked is there needs to be a point value for Division One, two, three, and four, um, just like they do in football. Um, so the wins aren't counting the same based off of if I beat a Division One, it's the same as a Division Four. The, the, all those divisions should have a different point value for wins. Um, other than that, I don't really have a whole lot of gripes towards it, but good stuff, gentlemen. Um, all right. <clears throat> this will be Drew Joyce's last year as head coach at Akron St. Vincent St. Mary's by his choice. <clears throat> yeah, I, I'm, I'm going to sell, um, Coach Joyce is, um, for those of you who have, you know, have ever met him, got to have a conversation with him, very much like a stoic guy, very serious uh, about what he does, and obviously has had a lot of success doing so. Um, I, know likes, I know he likes to golf, um, but I don't know if there's enough golfing in Northeast Ohio to keep that guy off the sidelines for a couple more years. Uh, so I, I think we get probably maybe two to three more years out of Coach Joyce before he hangs him up. Roth, same thing? Yeah, I mean, you look at their team this year, a lot of their best players, and I think four of their five starters, are either sophomores or juniors. This is a, a program that I think next year, two years from now, could be right back in the mix to make it to a Final Four. And I'm pretty sure with if, if we expand to seven divisions, uh, which is crazy, they would be Division Three with... Mm -hmm. I think Lutheran West, Louisville, and Sandusky. So they would be right back in the state title mix there. I even think if you keep them in Division One, stay at four divisions, that St. V could have a puncher's chance either next year or the year after with all their young talent on the roster. So I think I think you're going to see one more run by Drew Joyce, either uh, with a district title or an appearance at Dayton before he decides it's time to hang him up. 
All right. Well, with that being said, then uh, my next one is kind of along the same lines. Carl Kramer at Cincinnati Moeller. Are you taking less than three years or more than three years left at, with the Crusaders? Oh, man. That's a tough one. I am going to go with my gut, though. I'm going to say less than three years. Uh, Coach Kramer has been there uh, longer than I feel like I've been alive sometimes. Um, I'd have to do the math on that. Uh, yeah, I think but, yeah, 1990, I think, was his first year. Which is the year I was born. Yep. Uh, so, yeah, kudos to him. Uh, phenomenal guy. I've gotten a chance to have some conversations with him over the last few seasons. Uh, easy to talk to. Like I said, I enjoy watching his teams. But I would say less than three years if uh got into my head. Uh, yeah, I uh, I agree with this. Uh, with the way you worded it, Stubbs, I yeah, it was poorly. I was like poorly worded. Yeah, I, I said bye because I also think it's going to be less than three years remaining. And TJ, TJ said sell, and we had the same we had the same opinion. We just didn't know whether we were buying or selling the take. Well, the host is terribly worded. Um, yeah, I mean this one will be this one will be similar to to Saban. Um, it just kind of feels like saving with Kramer. Um, it'll be a sad day when when him and Joyce are uh, moving on to different things in life. Um, all right, last one here. This is I don't know. If this is let me let me word this correctly. All right, so you're gonna buy one, you're gonna sell one, you're gonna uh, hang on to one. You, I mean, you're just not letting the stock go yet. And then one you would have never purchased to begin with. Okay? Here's four teams. Finley, Wyoming, Marymount, and Monroe Central. Why did I pick these teams? Finley, Wyoming, and Marymount are all in the top five in their respective divisions in Martin RPI. Monroe Central is in the top ten think they're maybe eight, nine, somewhere around there um, in Division Four in Martin RPI. Buy one, sell one, hang on to one, you're not sure yet, would never purchase it. Oh, uh, so I am going to buy uh, stock on Cincinnati, Wyoming. Uh, it's a team I got to Ooh. see quite – it's a, it's a team I got to see quite a few times <laughs> over the summer. Uh, they have a plethora of really talented sophomores, uh, a team that's currently still undefeated to my knowledge, yep. uh, a team that is going to have a chance to, to make a run this year and uh, honestly the next two years. Uh, so I'm going to buy that stock now while it's maybe a little low. Uh, and then I think teams are, you know, people are going to start kind of coming around the next few years. Uh, I'm going to hang on to Finley. Uh, I'm intrigued. Always I'm very intrigued. intrigued. I'm very intrigued by Finley. Um, and I think I'll have a, a more clear idea of where I sit with them uh, <laughs> later on. I'm going to say mid-February. Uh, I'll be out at the Ottawa Glendorf event. And they play Shelby. Uh, so that should be a really good game, uh, one that I think could go either way. So I'm going to hang on to the Finley, not quite there yet. Uh, I'm going to sell my my Marymount stock, and I would not purchase Monroe Central. That's where I'm at. Roth. Okay, so so we had we had I thought we were going to go all four the same um, in the middle there. I swapped. I um I wouldn't purchase Marymount stock, and then I would sell Monroe Central stock because it's at all time high right now. Division four East District. I, I saw a team in the Division Four East District this weekend that I know Stubbs loves the is it Tucker Howell for Monroe Central? Yep, yep. Yeah, I I haven't seen him, so he could prove me wrong, but I I find it hard to believe that Berlin Highland is going out in the district. So um, I would I would be selling any Monroe Central stock you have right now before you see the calendar and go, huh? They got to go through Highland to win the district. Try and try and get out early. 
Love it, gentlemen. Uh, that's the best thing about you. I can give you guys any teams, and we can we can run with it. All right, that's let's. Fun. I like that one. We should we should keep doing that. Let's uh, let's close the show with our alumni spotlight. And TJ, man, you hit the nail on the head with this. I love this set. I love this part of the show. It's just so hard to find. Um, to to go through and 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 see who's doing what, especially you know Division One for sure. Um, Roth, you threw me a slider this week in your Division One. I. I didn't see that one coming. You froze me. Bat on the shoulder. Never even took it off. What 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 did you have for us in Division One this week? Yeah, so I'll, I'll get started here. Uh, in Division One, I went with J.C. Sheldon from Dublin Kaufman. She plays for Ohio State. Uh, boys basketball fans will know her brother, A.J. Sheldon, who also went to Dublin Kaufman and plays at OU. But on Sunday at the Battle at the Berkey, I was locked in during the fourth quarter of the Ohio State versus Iowa game. Uh, it broke a record for most watched regular season game for women's basketball since 2010. It was in front of a sold-out Schottenstein Center. Sheldon had some huge buckets in the fourth quarter and overtime to get the victory, was efficient from the floor, uh, passed the ball at a high level. Just a great game to watch on both sides. And it was the Division One college basketball game that I watched the most of this weekend. Um, so big-time environment in Columbus. Great to see Ohio State get the win. Also great to see Caitlin Clark. She is phenomenal to watch on, on television. So that was really the, the college basketball story in the state of Ohio that I thought captured my attention the most this week. So I wanted to shout out uh, J.C. Sheldon and the Ohio State women's basketball team. And then my small college player, I went with Henry Hinkle from Olentangy Liberty. He's at Ohio Wesleyan. He was a thousand point scorer at Olentangy Liberty and now in a thousand point score at the college level. Uh, he scored 32 points and a win over Wabash earlier this month. Is also a two time NCAC player of the week this season. So congrats to Henry Hinkle. 1,000 points for his collegiate career. One of the best point guards in Division Three in the Midwest. For my Division One spotlight, I went with a kid who I think has a really cool and unique story. Uh, you know, most of the time when we hear about the transfer portal, uh, it tends to, you know, be surrounded by, you know, with the, or associated with the negative connotation. Um, but I'm going with a guy named Sean Moore. Uh, he was a Reynoldsburg grad. I believe that was in 2020. Uh, he went to St. Thomas Aquinas, which is a Division Two in New York. Uh, a kid who wasn't really recruited much out of high school. I uh, didn't really have his, you know, pick of the litter in terms of scholarship opportunities, but went to St. Thomas, got better. Uh, his head coach left, took a Division One job at Fairleigh Dickinson. He joined him, and he is having a stellar year. Uh, just last week in a win over St. Francis PA, Sean had a, a team-high 23 points, shot 10 and 19 from the field, grabbed eight rebounds. Uh, he's currently averaging about 12 points a game. Uh, shooting 41% from the field. Uh, so just a cool story of a kid who wasn't really talked about much in high school. We all kind of acknowledged he was a good player, mm -hmm. but you know, the guy just continued to, to get better and better. Uh, so I, I love stories like that, uh, where kids just kind of take a chance, bet on themselves. And it was awesome that his head coach, you know, had as much trust in him, uh, you know, to, to think that he could make that jump from Division Two and Division One, uh, And it's been pretty seamless so far. And I, for my small college spotlight, I'm doing a, I'm doing a Stubbs, man. I'm stealing Stubbs' signature move, his little baseline fadeaway jumper. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm going with the entire Walsh Cavaliers. Uh, so this is a team that currently sits at 12 and three overall. Uh, they're six and three in the conference. They are currently on a seven-game winning streak. Uh, Akron transfer Kobe Mitchell. Has been big time this year. We talked about him in the show a few weeks ago, uh, averaging 19 points a game. Uh, Garrison Keesley, who was one of my favorite small college guys to watch, not too far behind at 14 points. 
uh, and is a, a walking triple-double type of threat. Uh, and But shout-out to Zach Odo, who's another kid who's a former teammate of Keesler at Uniontown Green. Uh, Coach Kinsley at Green, man, is a sneaky dude. Uh, his teams always play hard. They play the right way. And his kids tend to be more successful in college than people tend to give them credit for. So shout-out to Walsh. Uh, those trio of guys, freshman Aiden Carter, has had a, a contribution as well. A really talented kid out of Northwest Ohio. So, yeah, there's my picks. Sean Moore of Fairleigh Dickinson and the Walsh men's basketball team in the GMAC. TJ, you weren't here last week for the show, but uh, I think that coach at Green was a guy who I thought of for our introductory question that Stubbs had, which was, yep which coach wins the most games with less talent on the floor. And I think he is a prime example of a coach who does more with less and figures out ways to win games, even when he doesn't have the most talented teams. And when he has guys like Kiesler or Caleb Martin finds ways to win conference titles, win district titles. So he's, uh, he's one of the best up in Northeast Ohio to do it. It seems like every year his team, like, let's say they get picked to finish third or fourth, they somehow win a share of the league. And, you know, when his team is the favorite to win the league, they typically win the league. Uh, so I think it just says a lot about him. So shout out to Coach K over at Green. Really nice guy uh, doing good things, uh, especially when you consider they lost um, quite possibly the most talented player to ever come through Green. Uh, with Nico Bundelow, who is now at Western Reserve Academy. All right, well, let me wrap up the show here with my alumni spotlight. Um, I went with Seth Wilson of West Virginia. It has been tough sledding for the Mountaineers, um, dating back into the summer with different stuff going on. This was not. This was a bright spot for the Mountaineers. Um, they picked up a home win over the Kansas Jayhawks, the number three ranked Jayhawks. Seth Wilson was uh, three of three from behind the arc for nine points, added three rebounds in just 15 minutes of play. So very efficient minutes for Seth Wilson. Um, they ended a six-game losing streak to KU uh, in the victory. So Shout out to Seth Wilson, um, former St. Vincent St. Mary's, former Lorraine uh, product. Um, big assistance there in their win over the Jayhawks. Small school, TJ tried to steal my thunder. But I'm going with the starting lineup for Wooster. Okay, the Fighting Scots. Nick Everett from West Branch High School, Ashton Price from Bay. Jaden Cox Holloway from Richmond Heights, J.J. Klein from, from uh, Northwestern, and Jameer Billings from Lorraine. Wooster is on a four-game winning streak uh, with wins over Hiram, Wittenberg, Oberlin, and Denison. They are now 10-8 on the season. So shout-out to the entire starting lineup for the Fighting Scots. I don't know if you guys have seen this stat, but I see it circulate probably once a year on social media. I believe it's like in the last 10 or 15 or so years, Worcester has the highest winning percentage of any men's college basketball team in the country, regardless of division, whether it's division one, D2 or D3. Like that's an insane stat yeah, to me. For sure. So uh, I'm not sure if that stat is still accurate up to date. I'm sure it probably is. Uh, so if some, one of the listeners can confirm that for me, I uh, would appreciate it. But definitely something I see usually around this time every year and pretty cool. And shout out Jameer Billings. I, uh, he makes me feel young because I went against him back in high school and he's uh, still doing his thing at the college level. So making me feel young. We matched up three times my senior year. I uh, got him two out of three, including in the playoffs so uh congrats when to when you say when you say match up you mean like you, you had the best seat in the house right <laughs> man you're killing me well gentlemen it was a, another fun show um don't forget to all those people out there you know subscribe 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 like this show like this show uh, we love doing it and for give you. Us, give us 
us some damn help with the alumni spotlight, man. Our, our DMs are open yep. for suggestions. <laughs> Save us some time, man. You guys have no idea how tedious it is to go through all these box scores of all these D3, D2, and D1 games. Help us out, man. Shoot us some bail. You know, we're just, just trying to live. Yeah, listen, so, to, I think listen it was to the man. Listen to the man. Tim Smith from Ed's uh, tagged me in uh, one of their kids this week. I think it it was Devontae Bland that yep. we've already used this year. Oh, I think. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah, hopefully hopefully send us guys that we haven't gotten so far because we're trying not to use any duplicates, yeah. trying not to repeat I'm any. Spread the wealth. So. Well, gentlemen, have a great yep. rest sure. of your week, and uh, God willing, we'll do this again next week. Sounds good. See you guys.